You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. Uh, as always, the, the one of the best privileges that I have is to have somebody take over one of the episodes. It actually is less work for me, quite frankly. So it's, it's a really cool thing. But as we started this big community, we're finding incredible podcasters who are running their own amazing experiential podcast. So Samir, who's one of the, the members of the big community, has his own podcast that he started. It's called Experience Business Podcast. So I invited him to join me so I can introduce you uh, to him and also for him to actually share what this podcast is about and what kind of people he's going to interview for you. So Samir, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sangram. Thank you so much. You know, I'm highly obliged. And to be very frank, I've, it's my pleasure and a wonderful to be part of this Peak community. That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about your podcast that you have been running and what type of people are you interviewing on that for our community? Hey, you know, this is very interesting because I personally believe that every company should be the experience company because uh, people don't buy product. They don't buy services. They only buy the experiences. So the my podcast is about the experience business podcast, meaning every business should focus on creating the experience. And in this podcast, I normally interview people and sometimes also solo where I talk about what are the strategies, what are the viewpoint of other leaders like CXOs, CMOs, CTOs to make their business uh, an experience business. That is fantastic, man. So let's go and like deep dive into it. Because Samir, you have above, I think about 10 episodes that you have graciously agreed to have it shared on the Flip Mafra Takeover Tuesday and Thursday episode. So Samir, again, thank you for doing that. Information about you and your podcast is going to be in the show notes. Let's go. Thank you. Hey, everyone. In this Experience Business Podcast, this is your host, Samir Kumar Sa. He's going to talk about how... Are you defining the problem so that you get success in your business transformation or in the startup? In a very recent uh, survey of directors, CEOs and senior executives, it was found that the digital transformation is one of the concern in 2019 and even 2020 post-COVID and during COVID. Yet, if you would see the figure which has been quoted by McKinsey that the 70% of the digital transformation initiatives do not reach their goals. And this is not the digital transformation initiative. It is also the case with many startups. They fail and they fail not always because of the money, the team and the challenges. They also fail because of they have not identified the right problem statement for which they are providing the solution. In the case of the digital transformation also, out of all the factors, the one of the biggest failure reason is also that the companies actually fail to identify. So in today's episode, I have a very important guest who has been a senior B2B marketing leader who actually transitioned to marketing from being an English teacher. And he is the founder of Strategy CMO. And through this firm, he offers fractional CMO services to startups and mid-sized companies. 
and he has been CMO at Tribe West and Director of Marketing at Tree Pro Solutions in the past. So let's welcome Matt Satcher. Hi, nice. Hi, nice to see you today. Matt, I'm extremely delighted to have you on the show. As am I. I'm excited to be here and um, I, I love the topic of uh, digital transformation and, and how we better define our problems. I think, you know, like you were saying, the, the, the failure comes yes, sometimes. Yes. In the, Very true, right? This is the problem that I see that many times we, we start working on something, but then later on we realize that this was not the right problem that we are trying to solve. So for the audiences, Matt is having the core competencies in demand generation strategy, analytics driven decision making, B2B social media planning and execution. And he also does help the companies in the content marketing strategy and the deployment. And he has been part of the many executive team members where he has been part of the board communication and has engaged with the media and the public relations. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of my background comes from working with startups and leading them. The most recent one, T-Pro, what was a B2B analytics software for consumer goods companies that, that we led to an exit in 2019. So lots of experience in, in getting my hands dirty and then that strategic oversight. But Matt, you know, before we start, I really would like to understand, and in fact, for our audiences, right, we really want to know how to transition from being an English school teacher to a marketing. Yeah, I, I like to joke about it that there, there is uh, no more reluctant audience than, uh -huh. than a group of graduating seniors, you know, in, in April before they graduate. So that's uh -huh. what qualifies me to, you know, be a marketer. But really, it's, it's, you know, I used to tell my students that, you know, your words and actions have the power to change the world. Wow. And, and I, I really wanted, you know, doing it year after year. I was like, wow, I should, I should really go do that. And so I transitioned mm -hmm. from there naturally to an ed tech company. It was a good parallel. But I think as an English teacher, mm -hmm. I approach marketing from a, a persuasive or an argumentative standpoint in terms of looking at, you know, what are the emotional, you know, data driven and, and you know, that credibility you know, the mm -hmm. ethos, pathos that we look at audience. So all of my approach to marketing is all about how do we align message and problem solving and product mm -hmm. with the needs that matter most to our audience. And so that was, that's the natural transition, but it was, you know, go work for an ad tech company. So I had like one foot in both places. And then I transitioned from there to a, to a technology startup. So To be very frank, right. Uh, I hardly know anyone in my connection and, I think many of the Indian folks would be surprised that a teacher is transitioning to pure uh, yeah. the marketing role. And, but yeah, it's good to know. I mean, somebody is taking such a big giant leap and moving from the K-12 education side to the marketing side. So uh, I just want to know, are you still into teaching uh, or like you have completely left? I have I've completely left. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm part of a nonprofit um, mm -hmm. called Communities and Schools that helps local, well, Ohio-based schools, mm -hmm. you know, really, really help kids achieve their, you know, academic, but also their personal goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think one of the, the unique things that people often overlook about, you know, that's similar between teachers and marketers is, you know, we plan, we test, we revise, all for an audience, and we're accountable for all kinds of data. It's mm. the same thing that you do in <laughs> marketing. It's just a different audience. And you're trying to get one audience to act a certain way, to learn, to do, to write, to read, you know, and then apply that to their world. It's the same thing with a, a SaaS solution, right? Like you're trying to get an audience to agree with a solution and then apply that solution to their work 
to change an outcome at their company. It, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same model. Over so and over. you are a wonderful example of, you know, applying the core, wherever you start from, the cores are always the same. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. They really are. <laughs> and so, okay. But it's, it's been a good journey. Yeah. So coming back to another topic, right? See, uh, we discussed about, I mean, for the today's topic, right? We know that uh, many businesses actually fail to identify uh, the, the problems, right? And they just get to the solution immediately. And then they uh, later on realize that, uh, they wasted so much of their time and effort uh, and and same thing is happening even in and a lot of tech companies or even the enterprises they're making mistake they are spending billions of dollars and then later on that initiatives and in the ai or the blockchain right later go later goes in a waste because for many of them right they fail to identify the right problem what what do you think matt that the companies are failing in identifying the problem yeah i, I think there's lots of one is is, is i had a, an advisor at a venture capital company once tell me, he's like, most startups um, mm. build a, a product to chase a problem mm. rather than see a problem and build a solution. And so I, I think that mentality of like, like, are we creating the problem? Does the problem really exist? Like, I think you have to outline, you know, really validate that the problem you're trying to solve is something people want solved. You know, do people want their spreadsheets, you know, removed by an automated process? Do people want it easier, you know, to connect with other people in, in different ways? If you're building solutions to do this or products to do this, you know, you, you need to make sure that, that they have a problem that they want solved. I think the other problem is we try and solve all problems at once. And Yeah, that, and is, that at, is definitely the other part. Definitely the other part, but definitely it's the biggest, uh, biggest mistake, yes. Yeah, right? Like you try and solve five problems and, and really I want one. I want one, one, one thing would make my, my life easier. And, and when we try it and we want to have, and we want to have depth and we want to add value at, at every stage and which is why mm. you know, companies try and do that. But, mm. but having that focus of knowing why and then being able to communicate that. I think the other part is even when you know your problem, the ability to communicate that clearly and understand your audience needs are, are very difficult. And, and it takes time. And, and sometimes it takes stepping back and being like, are we making this complex? like too complex, like people like simple. And if you look at a lot of, of startup and, and early stage companies and the problems they solve, they're, they're very long, right? It's this and this and this and this, I do that. And, and, and here are the 17 results you get from it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their, their customers sitting at their desk being like, I, I only need this. I, only, I need this one thing. So I think that that's really, it puts, it overcomplicates something for your audience that mm -hmm. maybe they do need your product. But sure. when we overcome, even digital transformation, like you were talking about, you know, there are, uh, you know, so many things you could do that qualify as digital transformation. How do you know what's right for the outcome you're trying to achieve? And so that, I think that's a, that's a big, it's a big thing to keep in mind as we're trying to define our problem. Do you, do you believe in uh, the statement given by the Steve Jobs? And why I'm bringing this, because when you said, right, many times when you try to solve a problem, it's not a problem, rather, we are trying to create a problem and think that it is actually the problem. So do you believe the statement by Steve Jobs when he says that customers do not know what they are, they are looking for? And it is, as a company, our responsibility to make them aware that what they are looking for. Do you believe in this statement? Yeah. Yes and no. No, yes. I do. Um, <laughs> I'd argue with Steve Jobs, right? He was well successful. But I, I think the, 
the, you know, when we look at what Steve Jobs is saying is, I don't know what I need to solve my problem. Mm. I know, you know, that, that, you know, marketing attribution is really hard. And I, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm talking about some of my clients, right? Like if I'm working with a director of analytics at a consumer goods company, you know, I know that, that doing my job manually and having to go six places to get answers and I don't have good data, these are, these are problems I have. I don't know what I need to solve that. Yeah. And I think that's what Steve, like, you know, I, I, Steve Jobs is saying is it's up to these innovators to come up with the solution that the people don't even know they need, right? They mm -hmm. don't know they need it. Hmm. And, and so, you know, but that doesn't mean that you need to define the problem. You don't make mm. up problems, you make up solutions. And I think that's really what he's saying is, I, I mean, I, I think the, the, you know, if I, if I kind of break it down, like if I look at, I have a tech services client, right? And, and if we go to a, the, the software development, software engineering, and if we go to a, a potential client without an understanding of what they're struggling with, then we don't know what solutions to put in front of Right. Mm -hmm. So I just go like, do you need software development help? No. Okay. And we're done with the conversation. And because I haven't really identified what their problem is, right? Like, Hey, you know, you're trying to bring a product to market. We have lots of experience doing that. That's a different problem. And so we can provide creative solutions to that problem, but, but we need to know what it is. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So if in case I have to ask you, how can the company start to align the problem with their customer needs? How do you, yeah. Uh, what approach that you have for those companies uh, uh, to follow? Yeah, I think so. So I'm going to pull upon you know, something else. So there's a book called Story Brand or How to Build a Story Brand by mm -hmm. Donald Miller. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's an excellent book if you like really mapping out your, your brand story. But in it, he talks about that there are each, each person has three types of problems. They have an external problem and they have an internal problem. And then they have a philosophical problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so if we look at, you know, external and internal is the easiest to kind of grab. But an external problem, it's, it's the, my spreadsheets are just a mess. It's really hard. It is the actual physical problem that they have. And so whether that being like, oh, you know, I want to build a product and I don't have it, or, you know, they, the, that, you know, my, my processes need to be automated, whatever that problem is, it's the actual problem. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the problem that our our solutions, right, when we build them, solve. And so we want to make sure that we're communicating that we solve that problem. But then there's also an internal problem. And that's what they're really trying, what the outcome of fixing that problem allows them to achieve. And so if I, I have a client who has a shopper marketing solution, and so the, the external problem for their, you know, shopper marketers and, and consumer goods companies is that, you know, it's hard to keep track of their budgets. It's hard to communicate with their agencies and their retailers and their sales team. It's hard to manage their planning on spreadsheets and no one, there's no transparency. Correct. The internal problem for them is really inside their organization, shopper marketing is not taken very seriously and given a seat at the table. And so they struggle with the, if, if how do I solve that problem? Well, by being more transparent, by communicating better, by having, you know, more organization, you can show what you're doing and therefore you get a seat at the table and get taken more seriously. Mm -hmm. And so when you solve the external problem, which is what most people like to do, 
and and because that's that's what your product does. Mm-hmm. StoryBrand would say that's a transactional sort of relationship. It can easily be replaced, right? The the someone else can come and solve the same problem, but if you can solve the internal problem, you become a strategic driver. And so mm-hmm. we want to make sure as we're defining our problem, we understand both the external and the internal problems of of our our prospects and our future customers and and our current customers because they evolve. Hmm. And so, and then we attack them individually in some way. We don't want to say, like we said, that we can solve eight of your external problems because maybe I'm not struggling with eight of my external problems. Like, I don't even know. It's how do we help you do that? And it's it's building that relationship. And so, yeah. But also you have to be aware, like we said, when we talk about aligning with our customers' needs, that people don't want you to solve their internal problem before their external problem. Like mm-hmm. if I'm good and be like, well, I can help you, you know, be, you know, more strategic in your shopper marketing program. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I have a problem with my spreadsheet. So like they can understand solving that, but then you have to, to get that buy-in at a higher level and, and, you know, to separate and differentiate yourself, you need to understand the internal problem. Yeah, right, right. So if in case I have to ask you that, I mean, like talking about the problem solution definition process, right? What is that the framework that uh, you believe that the people should use step by step? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, right, like I think it, it starts with establishing a need for your solution, right? Like what is the basic need? And, and by basic need, it, it's, it's kind of that external problem. Mm-hmm. It's the what are, what are we trying to solve? And then understand when you solve it, what is that desired outcome? Mm-hmm. And that is for, very important. Like many times, you know, we start with the problem, but we we intend to forget about the outcome part, right? What is that we're going to achieve? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that is, is absolutely key. And then aligning that outcome, that desired outcome with the need of your customer. And so, mm-hmm. so when I was working with the, the you know, uh, data analytics company, we did predictive analytics. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of our tools looked at, being able to understand your historical data. But the other one was able to predict the ROI in the future. Mm. That's what people wanted. And so that desired outcome, if we didn't talk about that, you know, hey, we can quantify your ROI, they would stop listening to us. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we have not led them to their desired outcome. And so, you know, it, it's really like, you know, what's the problem? How do we solve it? And what's the outcome in your mm. problem statement that, mm-hmm. that becomes mm-hmm. effective? Um, and, then, and then looking at who, who's, you know, stands to benefit from it and why like why are those you know who, who are those stakeholders a lot of times we focus all of our attention on decision makers right hmm. and, and decision makers aren't necessarily users and so the user might be the one benefiting but you have to explain how that benefit helps your decision maker and why and so i think that really is is uh important and internally you have to do the same thing Right? Like you have to arm your internal team with the same thing. Why are we doing? What is the basic need? Why is this transformation necessary? And what's the outcome once we do it? I think that that is, is also, I mean, especially in a startup that often pivots or change, you know, big and small pivots all the time. If we're not communicating the, the who stands to benefit, how does it align with our customer? How does it solve our problem? Then, then it's unclear and progress mm. stops. Correct. Correct. So I think, you know, uh, I mean, based of my, based on my experience, even I do see that even if sometimes the people uh, do identify the problem is, but then the same problem might not be the problem for others. So 
they definitely fee uh, they definitely lack in actually mapping those uh, problems for the right audience right uh, what kind of audience is having the, uh, the same problem maybe the problem is the same but the way they are looking at the problem uh, might be different so it becomes yes. really challenging for the company to 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 look at the problem from the same dimension from for everyone yeah and and i think that you you really you know nailed something there when you talk about mapping the problem to the right audience hmm. and and if if we look at like how you're starting to build your personas out how you're starting to build your you know your ideal customer profiles out like the problem and the solution should align with that hmm. and and if you're not mapping that problem to a specific stakeholder or that problem to a specific group of stakeholders, you you often see that you're targeting the wrong board because because the you know so so I again I can give you another example is you know in in, in my world of, of consumer goods when I was working there the the giant companies right the six billion tier mm, one mm, billion mm. in revenue a year and the three hundred million a year revenue companies have the same problem. But how they address those problems and how they talk about those problems is not the same. Hmm. And so you want like you can't send the same stuff to both of them. They're, like there's not even the same people in this company. And so, so you need to align with those those the problem with the actual audience. Correct. So like okay, if we actually somehow identify the basic need for the solution for a problem, right? How do you then justify actually the need for this problem, like? what is that uh, how you according to you that effort should be aligned with the strategy that you want to put in for uh, problem ad- identification yeah yeah i think that right so you need to align you know when, when you have it you justify the need by understanding and that's really where you get to the base sort of discussion of the problem right mm-hmm. is the effort aligned with our strategy well if our, our problem is to help solve you know and, and achieve something then then if we understand what that goal is and mm-hmm. how our solution you know helps achieve that goal that's it and then understanding what the desired benefits are and how to measure them like how are you going to prove that you help someone achieve that whether that's you know in, in a completed project right in the time and like if i look at my you know software development client right like their 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 measure of success whether they solve the problem is the completed project mm-hmm. and and done well and being able to hand over those keys right to the project and whereas a saas solution you know you have to define those objectives up front and, and then connect it to the problem if you say i'm going to get rid of your spreadsheets as my solution people are like so what you know well my getting rid of your spreadsheets will save you x amount of time to be more strategic in your decision making oh yes i can see that and so like what can you measure and then how do you ensure that the solution you got to look at like how is it going to be implemented Mm. the the you you have to go from idea of problem solving to actually solving the problem at some point um, and, I, and as a marketer this goes into the promise right like when you market you are making a promise to that customer and you need to make sure that that is carried all the way through your pipe correct but then here also i think that there are very stakeholders right which they needs to be also convinced right that the, how the solution is going to be implemented and that's when i think the justifying the need for that particular solution becomes more complex right when you have to convince the different stakeholders who come from the different background what do you have to say in this yeah no i i absolutely agree if we look at b2b transactions as a whole 
Mm. Yeah, what five to seven stakeholders per transaction, and that's what I love. I love that sort of like getting messy with with those sort of complex buying processes because it is about aligning the problem with that at the right time. And so you really do have to map that that customer journey Mm -hmm. to understand. Like a lot of people love to target CFOs, and 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 they do because CFOs hold the, the the money. Right. They hold the money. <laughs> they hold the money. And, and so, yes. so the most most buying cycles though, the CFO's not watching demos. The CFO's not like they're like, oh, we have a problem. Go find a solution. And yes, we'll pay for that. Or no, we won't pay for that. So like you have to understand how you meet those various stakeholder needs and and align the problem to that. And that goes to the the that external internal sort of problem is, you know, the director of shop marketing is really mm-hmm. concerned with getting their budgets in line. Mm-hmm. They can care less that, that, well, maybe not care less, but, but they're, they're not as important about you know, the day-to-day problem, that, that external problem that needs solved. And mm-hmm. so <clears throat> if we look at that, that it, it's you know, aligning that problem statement mm-hmm. with the actual problem that your stakeholder has and knowing when to deliver it. I hear from a lot of SaaS companies that, that when they're, they're their sales process gets disrupted is when IT gets involved. Yeah. Well, they have different assumptions and they have different, you know, ideas of, of what they need to move a project forward. And that, that you have to be able to address those because those problems are not the problems of your solution. Those problems are like, they want to know about security. They want to know about data integrity, how you're protecting that data. How long, how much, how many resources is this going to take? And so, well, your solution or your service solves a big problem, you have to address these little problems. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, you know, I was, I was, I'm, I'm not getting the person's name, but I think I heard him on LinkedIn and this guy was actually speaking a very interesting thing that most of the companies, uh, when they try to like prospect or look for a client, right? They always look for, the people who can say yes about their product or the or the solution or the problems uh, what what the solution that they're providing for their pain point right mm-hmm. and he was making a very interesting statement he was saying that instead of looking for someone who can say yes about your solution right you should always look for first who can say no for your solution right <laughs> yeah so yeah. Uh, so it becomes far more easier to introspect uh, that okay, what are the possibilities of uh, getting no from someone instead of looking for, uh, you know, who all are the people who can say yes? Because when mm-hmm. you look for the yes, right, you always think from your own p- point of view. But when you look for who can say no, you are always looking from the point of view of your, from maybe your a third party or someone who can independently take a decision about saying no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of. <laughs> Credence to that. I mean, it seems backwards, right? Because you know, someone says no, you don't move forward. But, but the the learning that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that I is more important. Because then you learn where where the objections are, mm. and you learn where the the you know how to contextualize that problem in a way to mm. get to the yes. And, and so the the no's are just as important as the yeses. And and understanding that and. I like, I mean, I think purposefully doing it is, is an interesting concept is, is looking at where those objections might live. Mm. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a really sort of, I don't know, it, it does, it facilitates that learning. I go to 
you know, if, if you look at, you know, most companies in sales, when they, when they look at, you know, they try and dissect their wins, right? So like, hey, we won this, let's, how do we repeat that? Hmm. You know, we should also look at what happens when we lose it. And, and those are conversations that sales and marketing, customer success should all be part of. But because how else do we change going all the way back? How, if we don't look at the wins and the losses at the end, how do we understand that our problem is positioned right at the beginning? Correct, correct. Okay, so, so far what we have covered is like as part of the problem definition process, right? Uh, what you're saying is establishing the need for the solution is more important. And then uh, second, we need to justify the need for the solution. And then of course, contextualize the problem by by understanding the approaches that you will try and what others have tried and what are the internal and external constraints. Okay, so we get that. Now, I think uh, it's a time to, you know, define actually the problem statement, right? So what is your process? What are the thought process should be behind when, let's say, now we have to finally define the problem statement, how we should go about it? Yeah, I, I think that when, when you're looking at the problem statement, mm-hmm. it, it really is based on, you know, what is the external problem mm-hmm. that helps you overcome the internal? Right. Yeah, that you said. The, yes. Yeah. And so, so as I look to define it, it's always, you know, who is the audience, right? We help, you know, finance directors, we help, you know, CMOs, we help whoever you help, you know, do this, solve that external problem to mm-hmm. achieve that. And that mm-hmm. would be the outcome. And so I think that, and then, because you now have stakeholder alignment, you have strategy alignment, you have, you know, and you have that external transactional. And so to me, like using those steps always keeps you focused. And then, then you can see, oh, wait, if solving that problem doesn't actually result in that outcome. You know, and, and so that, that's, you know, as you are just you know, saying that, that's what you want to kind of keep in mind. And mm-hmm. then you can align it with that stakeholders. And, and, you know, you can do it over and over. I don't think, I think a problem statement is evolving over time as you learn. I don't think it's something that you put on a piece of paper and that's it. And so, and then I think you need to look at, you know, especially when you solve multiple problems and you have multiple products and, you know, it, it's the, you know, as a company, you may solve a big internal problem, mm-hmm. but as a product, you're solving small. So we need to make sure that we're not convoluting or com- complicating our messages by trying to say too much. And so, you know, what are the requirements, you know, to solve this problem? Like, like that sort of idea is, is something that you want to, to focus on. And, and then looking at who does that speak to? And like, who are the problem solvers that we need to talk to to move this forward, that want to solve this problem? I think that, that those are included as part of that statement. And then, you know, what is, what is the language of success? I mean, I think that's sort of it is, you know, we, we tend to put things down and in, in, in lots of jargon and things like that. But what, what did, we have to be able to say, what does success for a client look like? And mm. understand that the obstacle success to that success in the same terms is the problem. Agree. Agree. I think the last final process, you know, which you said, right, if, uh, while we were actually even starting our conversation, right, that uh, many times you try to solve uh, multiple problems at once and we fail to actually prioritize 
And that's where the major problem is because we try to solve all the problems together and then we end up solving none of them, right? Yeah. And so during the whole process of, you know, like establishing the need for a solution, justifying the need and then contextualizing the problem, right? I think the, uh, the bigger part uh, would also be is to first definitely list down all the possibilities of all the, all the possible problems that I have, under, uh, I have, I have identified through the previous work and then the final work is, uh, is also fine tuning, right? Or maybe the refinement, I would say rather the correct word that which one should be taken or which one should be prioritized first, yeah, which meets our business objective. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think, you know, it, it kind of, I think that, that companies that struggle mm-hmm. can feed their capabilities mm-hmm. and their features with the problems that they solve. Mm-hmm. And, and that they are not the same, right? Like you can have lots of features mm-hmm. and solve one problem. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that, you know, we, we look at, you know, so many of the tools that are out there have multiple tools, like, like features and capabilities. And that's awesome. But mm-hmm. like, what is, what is, what does the solution help you do? And mm-hmm. I think that that's a, a, a way to kind of do exactly what you were saying. Write it all down, write, write, you know, write it all down. And then let's look what, hey, these are the real problems that, that we help solve. In the peak community, the similar conversation was happening uh, and the, the lady put up a question that, okay, they have a two product launches. Is this okay to launch at the same time? And, uh, and both the products are solving the uh, two different problems for the similar audience. So is this okay to come up with the same uh, two product launches at the same time, right? And the whole right. uh, conversation going on and then, it it is always a confusion that okay do we need to communicate both the problems together or just to confuse the people with the two problems together <laughs> no, yeah. or do we need to actually prioritize the problem like okay go about with only one and then let's wait for the clients to come up and get accustomed with one solution first and then uh, upsell or cross sell with another product or this solution yeah i, I thought that conversation, the peak community, which, which, yeah. you know, illustrates how, how amazing that community is because, yes, you yes. know, this one question prompted like all kinds of, of perspective, but yes, the, the, what I loved about the thread is the mm. consistency and, you know, everyone was like, so what's the purpose? And all yes, went back yes. to that. like, what are you trying to achieve? And if we understand the outcome of what you're trying to achieve, then we can make, it's better to say, here's the tactic that makes the most sense. Correct. 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 So, yeah. So that, that's what, you know, we, we continue to go to like, what problem, what would you do? What, what problem are you trying to solve with these, you know, product launches? So do you feel mad that many organizations actually lack in, in mapping their own purpose also while identifying the problem, their own purpose of existence on the, in the business, and then they yeah. lack it uh, mapping with the problem that they're trying to yeah. solve? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that is, right, that is hard. Like when you were talking about their purpose or their why, it, it and, and connecting that with the problem that they solve, I, I think I think is is hard for companies. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for companies because they 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 know what they want. They know what they want, but they don't really always see that the product is there. And mm-hmm. so they, they force these connections. Or I think the other thing is is we have to talk about and be realistic about where where is our product or service today? Where do we want it to be in the future? Where was it three months ago? And so as a marketer making those promises, like you have to be really, you know, it's, it's a tightrope to walk, but that the, the purpose of the company can, 
sets out to be one thing. And then as the product evolves, you yes. might see that you're actually solving a different problem. You know, and, and so you have to, I work with this, this one client who does, who has an app and the app is all designed about bringing people together to do good in their community through and donate. And so, so you do these challenges and challenges and result donations to other places. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what they started out doing. Like it mm -hmm. was a savings app to begin with. And they pivoted to say, listen, there's this greater need and people are weak. And so their, their why or their purpose you know, six months ago does not look like what it did today. And if they didn't evolve, you know, evolve that purpose statement with their problem statement, then they wouldn't be getting any traction. Okay. So, so you believe that it's completely fine to, you know, change your purpose statement or purpose of your company? I think that sometimes the market dictates that. I don't think you should just do it on a whim. I, right? Like, you, and I do think that, you know, the, and how about this? I think, especially in early stage companies, that's more realistic. I think in established companies, that's much harder to do. But I do think that sometimes you set out with a purpose as a, a you know, sort of really early stage company and you have an idea. And when that idea comes real, you realize you are solving a different problem. And, and that it's better suited, like we talked, well, we thought this would be really great for, you know, finance directors. Wow, these people in HR are using it more than anyone, the payroll people. And so, so now you change, you know, who you're helping and why you're helping. But, but the, you know, once it's established, like once you have traction and once you know that you're actually solving the problem, I don't think you change. We definitely got a good perspective from you to how to define a problem and how to, how to go about basically documenting on paper uh, when we have to actually find a solution for a particular problem. Thank you so much for being in the show and it was just having a wonderful conversation with you. No, thank you. I, I loved it. It was, it was so much fun. Um, and, and you know, I hope it helps some people. I think that, that thank you. It. You've been listening to the flip my funnel podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.